Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians called The Hope Laid Up for You in Heaven. Let's turn to the book of Colossians. Uh, Again, we are at Palm Sunday, but we are familiar with the story, and we just taught through the Gospel of Mark where we looked at Palm Sunday. And so we're going to transition from the book of Titus to the book of Colossians. And that's where we're headed. And uh, hopefully you've had an opportunity to interact with the book of Colossians. It's one of the richest books in the New Testament. And the themes of the book are if you're a note taker, the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. If you're a note taker, write that down. The grand themes of Colossians are the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word as we now have an opportunity to turn to it and learn about the book of Colossians, one of the grand books of the New Testament. It really exalts Jesus Christ, I think, like no other letter in the New Testament save the Gospel of John, which is a gospel. But we are so grateful, Lord, that it shows the exalted status of Christ. Lord, we know that many times uh, people attack who you are. They deny your deity or deny your sufficiency. But this book is going to answer a lot of questions about that. And I believe it's going to cause us, many of us, to soar to new heights in our view of Christ. And so, Lord, it is our prayer that you would add and take away from what I've prepared, that you'd show us glorious things from your word as we do a message called the hope laid up for us in heaven. Jesus, you are in heaven. You're at the right hand of the Father. And thank you that you ever lived to intercede for your people. Thank you that you're the forerunner. You blaze the trail in your own blood. And thank you that that hope of your presence in heaven and your work in our lives today and the future to come is the anchor of our souls. As we talk about that hope this morning, may you bless the study of your word and may you bless us. Let us not just read the word, let it read us. Father, let it read us. Let it be written deep in our hearts that we might act upon it for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, the book of Colossians, the hope laid up for you in heaven. This is the first message. And uh, as we look at the book of Colossians, Colossians is going to answer a lot of questions about the person of Christ. Colossians has been called the twin epistle to the Ephesians. When I say epistle, I just simply mean letter. And it has, some scholars say, as many as 78 verses in common with the book of Ephesians. So if you've enjoyed studying the book of Ephesians, which is a great book, you'll enjoy studying Colossians as well. The difference between Colossians and Ephesians, although called twin epistles, is the focus of the book. In Ephesians, the focus of the book is the church, the body of Christ, although Christ is also in the book. And in Colossians, the focus is the head of the body, Jesus Christ himself, his identity, his supremacy and sufficiency. What was happening in the ancient world is like what happens today. Jesus Christ and his person was being attacked. In much of the world, for the history of mankind, there's not been atheism dominating the landscape. Man has been very religious. In fact, the major religions of the world acknowledge a historical Jesus Christ. They don't deny his historicity. But what they deny is his claims that he's God, 
that he claims to be the singular way to the Father, that he's the creator, etc. And this is very important. The Gospel of John, Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. So the Bible calls upon us to believe Christ for who he is. In John 8, 24, Jesus said to the religious leadership, unless you believe that I am, going back to Exodus 3, 14, and the voice of the burning bush, you will die in your sins. What you believe about Jesus Christ is extremely important. In fact, I would say, according to the New Testament documents, your soul is on the line. What you believe about him If you're wrong about Christ, you can be wrong enough to lose your soul. Now, what was happening in the ancient world is happening today. There is a demotion of Christ. There are many people who say Christ is not God, and he's not the singular way to God. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one is coming to the Father except through me. These are very exclusive claims. These are very radical claims. And the question is, are they true claims? And that, I suppose, is what people are wrestling with all the time. Easter brings about its slew of articles, Time Magazine, the History Channel, all are commenting on the person of Christ. They're commenting on who they think he is, the historical Jesus. Are the manuscript documents actually accurate? Can they be trusted? Is there truly a heaven? Jesus said there's a heaven. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, if it weren't true, if there wasn't a heaven, I would have told you. But there is a heaven, and it's impossible for God to lie. So we know there's a heaven, and we know there's a hell. The grand themes of this uh, New Testament document, as I mentioned, are all around Christ and his sufficiency. If you look at chapter 2, just as we do a little bit of an introduction before we get into the verses, look at verse 9. It says, in him, Colossians 2, 9, in Christ is all the fullness of deity which dwells in bodily form, Colossians 2.10, and in him you, this applies to us as well, have been made complete. His sufficiency as God in human flesh makes you complete. You are complete in Christ. Do you feel incomplete? Well, it's the human dilemma. People are looking for peace everywhere. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about a search for peace and meaning in wine, women, song, building programs, intellect, the writing and reading of books, you name it. And Solomon said, life is vanity. If you're disconnected from God, and it makes sense, if you're disconnected from your creator, you're going to experience futility. But in Christ, you are sufficient. You can have a full life when you meet your creator and come to know his redemption, which he paid at the cross. This has been called a prison epistle because Paul wrote this from his first Roman imprisonment. Paul was in prison at least twice that we know of. His first Roman imprisonment, he he seemed to have a certain amount of freedom. This is mentioned in Acts 28 at the end of the book of Acts. It says he was in a two-year imprisonment and he had, part of that time he was under house arrest. He had his own rented quarters and people were coming to him and those people were learning about Jesus Christ. During that two-year period of time, as Paul was in some form of Roman imprisonment, he wrote four letters. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. 
Four letters in his first Roman imprisonment. In his second Roman imprisonment, as he's awaiting death under Caesar Nero, around uh, AD 68 is when he dies, he writes the book of 2 Timothy. So this is what's called his first Roman imprisonment. Four prison letters are written, and they are very well-known letters. And it, it amazes me that Paul could write Colossians from a prison experience about the exalted Christ, about the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, even while he was in prison which just goes to show you that it doesn't really matter what your life circumstances are. In fact, sometimes we can see the exalted nature of Christ the most when we are at our lowest. Would you agree? Sometimes we go through trials and difficulties, and those are the times when we find ourselves crying out to the true God and saying, God, if you're out there, if there is a true God out there, please save me. Please show me who you are. And God answers prayers like that. He sometimes meets us in the most desperate moments of our lives. And here's Paul generating letters from a prison experience. We recently, uh, many of us watched the Insanity of God movie, and it was really about a missionary couple that went all over the world. And this, this man, after doing missions and losing a son who got sick because of their work on the mission field and ended up going to heaven, interviewed a bunch of people who were persecuted for the Christian faith. And one man had been in prison for many years, I think it was 16, 17 years, just for his faith. At one point, they tried to act like they, they were torturing and killing his wife. They brought a woman in. They turned her face away. He thought it was his wife. And, and basically, they tortured her and then they they allowed him to, to hear her screams and then they dragged her lifeless body past his cell just to spite him trying to break him every morning he would wake up and sing a love song to Jesus in the middle of the prison the prisoners heard his song and many of them you know were spewing hatred toward him and they they didn't like this man but every morning he would wake up and sing a love song to Jesus and one day the guards came and they beat him and they said we're going to go hang you on the gallows below and they dragged him out of the cell and they were taking him and the other prisoners saw what was happening and all the prisoners uh, stood up in their cells and they began to sing the song that he sang every morning simultaneously as one choir. And so overwhelmed the guards that they turned around and took the man and put him back in his cell. They didn't kill him that day. Where Christ is, there's always hope. You can live life with endless hope or you can end up with a hopeless end. And you get to choose that based upon what you do with the one who is our hope. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is our hope. He has become my hope, and I pray that he is your hope as well. The author of the Colossian letter is the Apostle Paul, and he writes to the church located at Colossae. You might ask, where is Colossae, and what's the deal with this city? Well, Colossae was a, an ancient city in what's called a triad of cities around an area called the Lycus River. And the Lycus River Valley was well-known at that time, and there were a triad of cities. They actually formed somewhat of a triangle, and the three cities were Laodicea, Heropolis, and Colossae. Scholars and historians say that the three cities were basically visible from uh, every direction. So one city could see the other. They were within eyeshot of each other. You had, you had Laodicea, you had Heropolis, and you had Colossae. Now, in the book of Revelation, in chapters 2 and 3, seven churches are addressed, one of which is Laodicea. Laodicea was known as, do you remember Bible students? The lukewarm church. They're known as lukewarm Laodicea. 
And when Jesus addresses these churches in Revelation 2 and 3 through John, he addresses kind of the geography of the land and ties it to the behavior patterns of these churches. Now, Laodicea was lukewarm. They had to pipe in water through kind of a stone piping system. By the time the water got to them, it was tepid. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And the Lycus River Valley was well known at that time, and there were a triad of cities. They actually formed somewhat of a triangle, and the three cities were Laodicea, Heropolis, and Colossae. Scholars and historians say that the three cities were basically visible from uh, every direction. So one city could see the other. They were within eyeshot of each other. You You had Laodicea, you had Heropolis, and you had Colossae. Now, in the book of Revelation, in chapters two and three, seven churches are addressed, one of which is Laodicea. Laodicea was known as, do you remember Bible students? The lukewarm church. They're known as lukewarm Laodicea. And when Jesus addresses these churches in Revelation 2 and 3 through John, he addresses kind of the geography of the land and ties it to the behavior patterns of these churches. Now, Laodicea was lukewarm. They had to pipe in water through kind of a stone piping system. And by the time the water got to them, it was tepid. And Jesus said, you are neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And I'm about to what? Spit you out of my mouth. It was a warning. I don't think it meant that the lukewarm Laodicean church was beyond repair, but I think it was a warning that Jesus is trying to, he said, I wish you were either hot or cold. Now, in the triad of cities, one of the cities about 12 miles to the north was Colossae. Colossae was at the base of Mount Cadmus, and Colossae was known for these cold waters that ran down through it. So when, I, when Jesus says, I wish that you were either cold or hot, he's probably referring to the cold waters of Colossae, cold, refreshing on a hot day. Heropolis was known for hot springs. There were these hot springs. People would come from all different regions, and they would come into these hot springs. And if you've ever been in a jacuzzi or hot springs, oh, ho, 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 you know how good it feels on your body. It can be very medicinal. Uh, you can sit in the jacuzzi with the jet hitting your bag. Oh, yeah. 
right? Hot springs can be good. They're medicinal, cold water, refreshing. But Laodicea was lukewarm. And this, these were the three cities around there. And Colossae was also known for... There were these incrustations that came. There was chalky water, and sometimes they formed almost like stone uh, shrouds over certain er uh, areas of the land. But it was known for wool, and there there would be sheep and shepherds out there and pasture land, and there was a whole uh, thriving wool industry. And Paul writes to the church at Colossae. Colossae would now be located in the western part of Turkey. So Asia Minor, what we know and we hear about Asia Minor in the Bible was considered proconsular Asia Minor. You say, what does that mean? It means that that's what the Romans called the area. It's not the Asia that we know. Asia Minor was an area of now considered modern-day Turkey, and there was something like, you know, if you add in Colossae and other churches, there are something like 10 churches in this area. Those churches are not there anymore. But when they were addressed, they were obviously uh, vital churches of the day. Uh, Colossae was about 100 miles from Ephesus, and this is the church that Paul addresses. How was the church planted, you might ask? Well, it appears that as Paul did a three-year ministry in Ephesus, he was there, Acts chapter 19 records this, and he, he taught for uh, two years in the school of Tyrannus. So Paul was in Ephesus. He kind of set up shop, almost did like a miniature Bible college. People were getting saved and they were being discipled in this Bible college. And as they went out from the school of Tyrannus, having been taught by the Apostle Paul, they were going back to their home regions. A man named Epaphras went back to the area of Colossae. This is what we surmise from the evidence we have and began to share the gospel with people. And it looks like he became the pastor of this church. His name is Epaphras. So Epaphras at some point goes to the Apostle Paul, probably, uh, uh, not probably, in his Roman imprisonment, and he begins to share information about how the Colossian church is doing. Warren Wiersbe writes of the Colossian church that all kinds of philosophies uh, mingled in this cosmopolitan area because there was an east-west trade route right where Colossae was. Religious hucksters abounded in the area. There was also a Jewish colony in Colossae, and there was a constant influx of new ideas and doctrines from the East. It was fertile ground for religious speculations and heresies. This uh, area was also known for major earthquakes. In fact, around the time that Paul wrote, around AD 60 or 61, there was a major earthquake in this area. Laodicea was able to rebuild without Roman help or money, but the area got devastated time and time again by earthquakes. One of the, the things that scholars will see as you read on, they will say as uh, you read introductions about the Colossian letter is there was something called the Colossian heresy. And it had these weird combinations of Jewish mysticism and Greek philosophy and dualism. And it came out in different teachings that they taught. Here's an example. They apparently were telling people, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. Look at Colossians 2 verse 11. In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised, Colossians 2.11, with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This was a largely Gentile church, but as happened in the Galatian letter, there were Jewish Christians going in there, or apparently well-meaning, and they were saying you have to be circumcised to be saved, even as a Gentile. And Paul was saying, no, the circumcision that you experienced was a circumcision without hands. 
It was a spiritual one, not a physical one. We are the true circumcision who are circumcised and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can read Philippians 3, 2, and 3. If you skip ahead for a second to verse 16, there are people judging one another, and it seems to have a Jewish bent to it. Uh, 2.16, therefore let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink. Seem, seems to have a kosher aspect in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. There were people who were judging one another and apparently saying you can't be close to God unless you honor the festivals and unless you honor the new moons, unless you keep certain dietary laws. And Paul says, don't let anybody judge you that way. If you're a Gentile believer, a non-Jewish believer, Christ is sufficient for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Christ is sufficient, that his payment made in the cross has made you complete and full in Christ? That's what the Bible teaches, and that's what Paul was having to deal with as he addressed this Colossian heresy. Uh, Another thing that they taught in this Colossian heresy is they began to demote Christ because they said uh, God, uh, they believed, this this was a Greek thought, and it came really all the way back from Socrates. They believed that all matter was evil. This, This was their conclusion. So they said that God could not have made the physical world because all matter is evil, and God couldn't touch that stuff. So what they taught was a series of intermediaries between God and the last God. And what they called these is emanations from God. You've been listening to The Hope Laid Up for You in Heaven, part one on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 1, 1 through 8. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's a great way to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend that you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the absence of hope seems to be an epidemic in our culture as we've talked about suicide rates. You know, the the age of people committing suicide plummeting down to younger and younger ages. We have a crisis with our veterans. We have a crisis with people being, um, you know, just scared with all the COVID stuff and uh, the mandates and the like. And, um, <laughs> you know, Brethren, the truth of the matter is it's getting worse. I mean, I'm an optimist at heart, but at the same time, I have to tell you, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be letting up. The snowball's going down the hill, one thing after another after another. And here's the question. Can I still have hope when the world seems to have gone crazy around us? Every time you turn around, there's something new, you know, that an infringement on our freedom, another, you know, uh, weird, um, you know, new law trying to be passed, et cetera, et cetera. How do you find hope in the midst of this? Well, the hope that we have in scripture is the anchor of our souls, and maybe you feel help, hopeless right now. Maybe you feel hopeless and helpless. And, and I understand that feeling. When you feel like there's nothing you can do, it, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. But here is something you can do. Put your hope in the Lord. Because when you put your hope in the Lord, you will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not get weary. You will walk and not be tired. Because there will be a power 
that comes from on high. And that power is not uncertain or unsettled. See, the power of God is a power that is hopeful because we know how the story is going to wrap up. And we know our God is able, even in the midst of crazy times, to steady us and help us share the hope with others. Here's the good news for those of you who are evangelists, or we all need to be, is we can share hope right now with a lot of hopeless people. We have common ground, man. Yeah, the world's crazy. Yeah, things are you know, confusing and, and many people are fearful. Hey, but there's hope. Where is that hope? Well, then you go into the gospel. That's what this book is about. It's about the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so even if you feel like I don't have hope in my life right now, renew your hope in God. We're going to be trying to spread hope this uh, Halloween season. This is our 10th annual Harvest Fest at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I get the privilege of serving as senior pastor. And we're doing a Harvest Fest on Halloween night. This is a Sunday evening. We'll start about 5.30. We're going to have uh, a lot of fun things, trunks of treats, a lot of different cars decorated with biblical harvest kinds of themes. You can come and visit each one. There'll be at least 25 of those cars around. Candy, uh, a cakewalk, music, fun, uh, just a lot of great opportunities to fellowship. Hey, I'm going to be out here at the Harvest Fest, and I'd love to meet you if you're part of our listening family. Come on out to our 10th annual Harvest Fest. Um, you can find out information and directions to the church when you go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, and hopefully you'll make plans to visit us. And if you're not in the area, we love you, and we hope that you'll find a good Harvest Fest in your area to enjoy the evening and spread the light of the gospel. Love you. We'll see you tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Colossians 1, 1 through 8, called The Hope Laid Up for You in Heaven. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.